Ohio's liability shield for COVID-19, how that state is giving air cover to businesses and individuals for reopening. Faith Whitaker and Haley Gowler from Dinsmore and Shoal join us. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. All right. Hello, audience. Thank you for being here with me. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to a couple of great guests from Dinsmore and Shoal about Ohio's new liability shield for COVID-19, which, as I understand it, is aimed at encouraging reopenings of business in that state. But before we get there, we need to thank our sponsor, Clio, who's having an online event. From October 13th to 16th, we're excited to be attending the 2020 Clio Cloud Conference. This one-of-a-kind legal tech event is taking place online and features world-class speakers like Ben Crump, Seth Godin, and Angela Duckworth. There will be interactive networking, CLE credits, and legendary social events. To learn more and to join us, go to cleocloudconference.com. And now back to our topic. Let's say hello to our guests. Hello, Faith Whitaker. Hello, Haley Geiler. Hi, Lawrence. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. I love the enthusiasm. So welcome to the show. So we'll start from the beginning here. So as I understand it, on September 14th, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine signed House Bill 606 into law, which provides this liability protection for individuals and entities from some lawsuits that could come up from COVID-19 infections. And so I thought that was a really interesting article that you wrote in the National uh, Law Review. And, you know, it's, it's certainly been a subject that we've covered on the air, sort of this unintended consequence, you know, people meaning well, they want to make sure that we don't spread uh, COVID-19. They didn't know a lot about the disease at the time. And so governors and mayors around the country decided to shut down. But in so doing, they created sort of this unintended consequence of this new vector of liability. And, uh, you know, I we predicted early on here at the network that it was going to be difficult to reopen. So let's start with that. Our first question on this subject is like, we know that it protects some individuals, but in terms of the entities, who does this temporary liability shield apply to? The law is very ubiquitous and then it covers almost everyone and, ent- and everything. It includes individuals, businesses, healthcare providers, property owners, nonprofits, governmental entities, churches, and schools. So basically, the kitchen sink. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, under. <laughs> Under its current version, you know, how long does this liability shield last for? Do we know? So the way that the bill is written, it currently lasts through September 30th, 2021. And at that time, they can choose to extend it, but that's the current cutoff date. Okay. And then, so after that, what happens? It just ends or is there, has there been any discussion about what would happen after the fact? Currently, it just ends. But as you know, and we all learned, we're just not really sure where COVID's going yet. So it's possible that if things continue and, you know, businesses continue to need protection, that the legislature chooses to extend it. But it's also possible that by then maybe things have recovered and they they decide to leave it where it is. You know, one of the unique things that I ran across in my research is that it's got a retroactive component to it. So it applies back in time. So how early does it apply back in time to? So it applies all the way back to March 9th, 2020. Wow. Okay. In terms of the liability shield, you know, what is covered versus what is not covered? The law provides protection against civil claims for damages from exposure to the transmission of or contraction of COVID-19 
except if the plaintiff can show reckless, intentional, willful, or wanton misconduct. What's significant about this law, though, is that reckless conduct is a pretty high standard. The definition is that it means conduct by which, with heedless indifference to the consequences, the person disregards a substantial and unjustifiable risk that the person's conduct is likely to cause an exposure to COVID. And that's relating to injury, uh, property loss, or death. Wow. Well, okay. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a a tort lawyer. I, that sounds like a pretty high standard to meet. Is that, is that pretty hard to meet? That's pretty hard to beat. It's a very, very restrictive conduct. Basically you're not paying attention to anything that's been going on, uh, which hopefully none, no one has been actually doing. And, and hopefully that's not the case going forward. And specifically with healthcare providers, there's a whole section protecting them and shielding them from liability. And they have the similar type of exceptions that the plaintiff has to show recklessness, intentional misconduct, or willful or wanted misconduct. And as I understand, there's a provision in there uh, for some protection against class action. So, so how does that function? So this is a really interesting provision that they chose to put in, and they have essentially said that anything that this liability shield applies to, even if you can meet that reckless or heedless conduct definition, you still can't bring a class action. So whether or not you can get around sort of the first exception, you still can't bring it on a class basis, which is which is pretty interesting. We've been covering a lot of the stories about COVID-19, and in it, we've talked about federal laws, state laws, and uh, local laws as well. And so, as I understand it, this bill, uh, in terms of public health orders, recommendations, and guidelines uh, from federal, state, and local agencies, it is specifically designed not to create a duty of tort liability. Can, Can you explain that further? Absolutely. So that is one of the most interesting things that the legislature did when they created this bill. And as you probably know, and your listeners probably know, is that when you bring these tort-based claims or these negligence-based claims, normally you have to prove that the entity or person violated a duty of care. And normally that is proven by just the standard industry practice or regular business practices or what a normal person would consider reasonable. And a lot of times, you know, agency guidance and regulations do play a factor into that, into creating that standard. But in this case, the legislature decided to say, okay, we're not going to allow you to use public health orders, executive orders, or even guidance from federal, state, and local health agencies to show that they didn't live up to that standard or even that that standard existed. Wow. Wow. That is really interesting. So is there any like preemption worry with that or how, how does that function? So that's a great question as well. So our worry here would be that this is for state-based claims. There are still other kinds of laws and regulations where this this wouldn't preempt. Federal law won't be preempted based on these state-based restrictions. We're still going to worry about OSHA. We're still going to worry about the ADA duties and responsibilities under other statutes and regulations, for example, Medicare or Medicaid expectations for healthcare providers. Those are still all going to be in place. All right. So I've got a weird question coming up for you in regards to uh, some of this liability protection. So companies, obviously, they're going to want to do the right thing. Individuals want to do the right thing. They don't want to spread COVID-19 to their fellow person out there. And this particular bill will give some liability shield. But uh, it's still recommended that you take every step that you can. Now, from a business preservation perspective, why is that important, even though you have this liability shield? That's definitely going to be a, qu- a question we probably get when certainly our clients find out about this liability shield. But it, it's still important uh, for a lot of reasons. But mainly, you know, businesses want to continue to operate and they want to keep their employees safe. 
because also if they're not safe and they're not able to come to work, then they can't operate. And employees want to earn a living. So to do to balance those things, it's important to try to stay up to date with what we know at the given time on the measures to prevent the spread. Are there other states that are, are starting to uh, churn up some of these types of new bills and regulations? So this is going to be a trend that I think we see going forward. We're going to see more states and more maybe even localities passing these type of laws. I think they've been introduced in some extent or at least proposed in pretty much every legislature at the state level across the country. But we've already seen similar bills passing, maybe not with all the same provisions in other states, including Georgia, Louisiana, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Utah and Wyoming. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Faith and Haley. It was wonderful having you on with us today. Thank you so much for having us. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. It's always terrific to be here with you as well. That's all the time we have for this episode. Have a great day, everybody. 